0: Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle24. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. Today, we're dipping into a recent report from the UBS Global Wealth Management CIO on currency markets. Entitled Shifting Gears from Bearish to Neutral and Preparing for the Bull Case, the piece examines how and why the CIO is updating forecasts to reflect a neutral view on the US dollar this year and strength next. On today's programme, we'll hear from one of our regular chroniclers of currency market moves, an economist from UBS CIO here in London, and from one of the report's co-authors in Zurich. They'll talk about the ongoing COVID-19 situation, central bank intentions, inflationary pressures, where we're at in the economic recovery, and what all of this means for currency markets. Let's start with Dean Turner, economist in the UBS Global Wealth Management CIO right here in London town great to hear from you as ever, Dean. Before we look at what the forecast says, to maybe just get a bit of context on background, bring us kind of up to speed. What's informed the position that we find ourselves in today?
1: Yeah, so over the last few months, um, since since the global economy has been uh, recovering from the worst effects or worst economic effects of the pandemic, There's been a notable shift in stance amongst central banks. Now, not all central banks are moving at the same speed or the same direction in terms of their language at the moment. Part of that is because inflationary pressures, and that's a function of economic growth, is also moving at different speeds. But the net result is that we find ourselves in a position that as we're moving into the second half of this year, We think there's a cohort of central banks that include the Federal Reserve in the United States, the Bank of England, as well as a couple of other central banks that are getting into a bit more of a hawkish mood. So, you know, that doesn't mean they're tightening policy, but they're certainly laying the grounds for tighter policy in the foreseeable future. Against that, we have some central banks, and most notably here will be the European Central Bank, which really doesn't see that much inflationary pressures in the eurozone economy. Economy and therefore, is likely to keep its policy stance very loose for a very, very long time. And this kind of divergent trend in central bank policy, we think, could have quite big implications for currency markets.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting stuff. And I, I just wanted to ask you a little bit then about looking at uh, central banks you mentioned there, you know, this sort of hawkish shifts. And there have been, been nevertheless some surprises along the way. I mean, is it fair to say that some of the Fed's moves along that line In what was it? I guess meetings in June. Well, were they surprising? I mean, it seemed they, they. It wasn't necessarily didn't necessarily accord with people's expectations.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and we, we've also got to bear in mind that market expectations are always an amalgamation of different views, some extremely hawkish, some some extremely dovish. And I think the thing that's changed over the last few months has been an acknowledgement by central banks that growth or economic growth has been a little bit stronger than initially feared. And especially during the winter lockdowns, it's become quite apparent that households and firms had adapted to restrictions quite well. So, you know, the economic impact that we saw from the most recent uh, lockdowns didn't have anything like the impact on, on economic growth that we saw, say, in, in the summer of last year. So, you know, in kind of level terms, economies are doing a little bit better. And really what we've seen is that central bank, the mood at central banks is really just edging along to reflect that. You know, I would emphasise it doesn't mean that we're going to see policy tightened in the next couple of months. But what's going to be important for markets is the language, you know, the rhetoric that's coming from policymakers, and that has already got a bit more hawkish, and that momentum is likely to grow over the next few months or so.
0: Yeah, and and I guess it would be remiss of me not to ask about the uncertainty that continues to result from, you know, more aggressive COVID-19 variants. And, you know, there is, I guess, an expectation of despite what you've said, you know, slowing economic activity globally because of these more aggressive variants. And there are so many caveats to caveats to caveats, aren't they, which, we, which we're which we aware of. But I mean, that is important in terms of this gear shift. I mean, the, the, the report that we're discussing is called shifting gears from from bearish to neutral, preparing for the bull case. But ha- how, how much of a caveat does the sort of unknowns about COVID and the variants happening all around the world affect that?
1: Absolutely. Look, you know, there's always going to be risks to the outlook. And, you know, there could be something that you know, we can't foresee, with particular with, with COVID, perhaps we could see the emergence of a variant that does successfully evade vaccines. But given what we know today, even given the rise in the Delta variant across uh, most countries, it does still seem that vaccines have been pretty successful in breaking the link between infections and hospitalizations. And moving forward, it's going to be hospitalizations that are key to driving government policy. Now, look, you know, vaccination rollout has been a success uh, pretty much everywhere. Obviously, there's been some delays along the way. But as we hit the end of the summer, it's quite likely that the majority of most populations in the developed markets, at least, will have received vaccinations. Therefore, as the variant spread, and you know, let's be clear about this, COVID is endemic. But as the current variant spreads, through the population, assuming we don't see a rise in hospitalizations, then the economic impact of that should be relatively contained.
0: Are we seeing, I wonder though, if we look at sort of the FX picture more broadly, Dean, you know, are we still seeing investors who continue to favour safe haven currencies? Because we often see that in times of upheaval. I guess we have seen it, whether it's I don't know, Swiss franc or the or the Greenback itself, do we do we still see that? Is that understandable in the circumstances?
1: Um, so, so, look, there, there have been bouts of volatility, and we've had one um, very recently o- over the last week where investor nervousness um, has, has seen a bit of a sell-off in equity markets, bond markets have rallied, and that has favoured the traditional safe haven currencies. These seem to be pockets of nervousness. Now, assuming that our base case is right, that, um, that we do continue to see restrictions gradually eased as we go through this year, and we don't see a reimposition of Of uh, of quite stringent restrictions, then the economic recovery will continue. And that should encourage investors to return to those more, let's say, risk-on currencies. And and one of those uh, currencies that that should benefit from this is actually sterling. Dean
0: Turner. Well, next up, let's bring in Thomas Fleury, Global Head Currency Strategy in the UBS Wealth Management CIO. Thomas, thanks for being with us. Maybe just to start off with Tom, you could give us a sense of... Why exactly, yourself and your colleagues in the CIO, why are you updating your, your forecasts on the greenback this year and next? What, what's the background to why you're kind of reviewing things?
2: When we started off with this uh, pandemic, um, it was a very clear case. The Fed was extremely expansive uh, with its monetary policy, even more than the CB. And therefore, we had a clear case for a weaker dollar, which also paid out. And now uh, we are running into the other direction, where the Fed probably will uh, withdraw some of that stimulus, either late this year or beginning of next year. And uh, that has an impact on the currency. And therefore, it's really a cyclical uh, call on these uh, policy decisions.
0: And I just wonder if we're talking about this this shift, this change from neutral to bullish, to what degree, Thomas, does that depend on, you know, the the ongoing situation with COVID? We have variants, we have lockdowns, unlocking, relocking, and alongside uh, what the intentions of central banks are, presumably that's one of the key factors that will shape how and when that change happens.
2: Yeah, we have a full cabinet of uh, <laughs> locking the economy and unlocking it and so on. Um, and the hope was at the beginning of this year that we can um, store all these measures. Uh, I think st- step by step we're running into that direction, but the tunnel is much longer than we wanted it to be or that we um, expected it to be. Um from that perspective, uh, we we think we can take time with this uh, first neutral and then bullish view, in the sense that first you need a rebound of global growth, which is more convincing than what we have seen so far, uh, which supports the euro, the pound, and other currencies. Before the next step can come, which is um, the reduction of stimulus measures by the Fed, by the Bank of England, by Norway, Canada, and so on. And I think these cycles, we have really to watch these cycles, and uh, you cannot leave out one step. Yeah, and I just wanted to to, to dig a bit deeper on that,
0: and this may be a bit of a, a basic question almost, but can you just explain to us briefly, Tom, why... Why it's so important for currencies that unwinding
2: of stimulus? Just remind us why that is the case. That ECB um, has negative rates, just as Switzerland and Japan have. And um, unwinding the stimulus means that you get a bit more of a distance between US rates and um, European rates. So it's not even. Um, the, the, the money market, but let's say the two year rate preempting rate hikes um, in 2022, 2023, and so on, which attracts more investors, gives more, a bit more attractiveness to the market as monetary conditions will tighten slightly, and the central bank also signals that they don't mind having tighter monetary conditions. That means uh, the exchange rate has also room to appreciate the central bank would not lean against it. In the case of Europe, we wouldn't be that sure because they really want conditions to stay easy.
0: Um, now, let me just ask you a little bit about the US, because um, it was interesting. If we look back to recent labour market data published in June, for example, a pretty solid economic recovery underway. And you, I think you mentioned earlier that in some respects, the recovery uh, has been slightly stronger uh, than perhaps was a- was anticipated. Just if we look at the US, and obviously, we were looking at this whole thing through the prism of the greenback, of course. Um, talk to us a bit more about the Fed. Uh, a more hawkish stance than was predicted by some in their June meetings. Uh, we've got strong st- Strong inflation or rising inflation, I should say, in recent months. What, what, how would you
2: sort of sum up the U.S. picture? Well, I mean, we will learn more, even more, next week with another Fed meeting. If they stay consistently lean to the more hawkish side, or if this is uh, if this was just uh, the beginning of the summer without the Delta variant. Uh, becoming a bit broader, but basically in the U.S. you have a housing market which has turned quite hot, so the um, uh, liquidity and low interest rates has has had its effect on the housing market and other than this you have also the labor market slowly improving. Uh, Employment is not yet at the pre-pandemic level. But the open positions have been quite high and um, we probably need September-October data in order to see how strong the labor market can rebound because by then uh, the furlough schemes are running out. Um, back to school is a theme which uh, probably helps to improve employment and so on Um we're putting all this together, the Fed might have might see the incentives just to tighten a bit or to uh, unwind the easing, I would call it. It's not yet tightening, it's really unwinding some of the measures.
0: Yeah. Now, Thomas, one other theme I wanted to ask you a little bit about was, um, and it struck me as an interesting note in the report, support for commodity currencies to persist. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about about that? There's a, a, a broadly positive position on commodity producer currencies in the second half. Just, just give us the background to this.
2: Um, the idea is that as the global economy rebounds, you will see commodities appreciating, uh, prices to be listed, and as this happens, uh, you also see the um, currencies um, of commodity producers um, to do well. It all depends a little bit on china the, uh, China is one of the big um, demand uh, on the, it's big on the demand side for commodities um We also see that some of those commodity producers are very close to um, um, unwinding QE measures and uh, close to hiking rates. I mentioned here Canada and Norway. The UK is not directly a commodity producer, but often uh, runs together with the oil price. Uh, the UK pound and um, New Zealand is also on that side maybe Australia we need to be a bit more cautious that's currently hit more strongly by new lockdowns and therefore it might take a bit longer so you can call it either commodity currencies or currencies of central banks that are likely to unwind um, stimulus measures the group is practically quite similar
0: Thomas Fleury, bringing us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance each week here on Monocle 24. You can listen again and find out more at monocle.com or catch up via your preferred podcast platform, The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24.